Good morning, everyone. Um, it's good to see. It's not that good. Good morning, everyone. It's actually a good morning. Uh, it's an awesome morning, and uh, it's a morning. You know what I, I love about church is there's very few environments in the world where people actively give them, give themselves to learning and growing consistently once, if not twice a week. It's a growing environment. People think about any other environment in the world where people go every week. I'm committed to growing personally. And people pay so much money to get people to come in and do talks and do training and help this. We just do it consistently, 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 and we have a God that helps grow us. So it's amazing to be a part of something like this because God uh, molds and shapes us. And I'm really excited about today. We're closing out this series, uh, The Sacred Art of Not Caring, a counterintuitive approach to living a godly life. Um, I don't know about you, but I've really needed this series. It's helped me uh, take stock of my life and make some decisions about what's really important. It's about priorities and how to live for those things. And here's the thing is because God cares about us, we don't have to care about something so much. And because God cares about us and cares for other people, we get to really care about some things. And that's uh, knowing the difference between that and, and having a roadmap to, I suppose, make decisions about what's important to us. And today uh, we're going to close the series with a sermon title called Care Less About Tomorrow and More About Today. Care less about tomorrow and more about today. Ever catch yourself daydreaming about some far-off reality? Like for me, it normally involves a beach somewhere. And not just a beach, a beach with an active reef system that no one else knows about. You know, because that's a big deal, right? Because otherwise other people come and shoot my fish. It's like it's my reef. And there, it's just, it's amazing. Every, every day is crystal. Ever found yourself daydreaming? Or ever found yourself daydreaming about something that's really bad, like worst case scenario? Oh, but if this happens and that happens. And it's funny because we don't have a, a word in the English language called day nightmaring. We still say we daydreaming, but about bad things which is ironic because it's not dreaming anymore. So, um, but, but that's the reality is we, we can get caught up in this other world where we're daydreaming or day-nightmaring, where we have some phenomenal future or some dreaded one. Um, I actually have a little bit of an advantage over a lot of people in my ability to daydream. I'm an expert daydreamer, and here's why. Um, so Gallup uh, had this, uh, wrote this book called Strengths Finder, or well, Gallup, some of the authors, uh, wrote this book called Strengths Finders, and what it basically go, does is it maps out a whole bunch of strengths, and it says you've got generally uh, five top strengths, and the combination of those, if you really push into them, will make you excellent in whatever you do. Uh, my top two strengths are strategic, and futuristic. So of the 34 strengths, my top two are strate so strategic people with this theme, they create alternative ways to proceed. So it's like, ah, oh, roadblock doesn't matter. I've got an alternative way to proceed. Oh, roadblock doesn't matter. I've thought about that too. Okay, you've got a strategy how to get somewhere. Uh, and so they can quickly spot relevant patterns and issues and then map out a road how to get there. My second top stream uh, theme is futuristic, which means that we're, I'm, I'm inspired by the future and what could be. Okay, so and I have the ability to energize others with visions of the future. And so these are my top two strengths. I can see the future and map out a road to get there. And in this ability to see the future and map out the road to get there, I've thought of many wonderful jobs for myself. Uh, one of my favorite is a benevolent dictator. I think I'd be quite good at it. Because it's actually, uh, there's this thing about governance, I suppose, that God's put on. And benevolent dictator is, is the best form of government. It's called a king, but he's good. His name is Jesus. But in this version, I'm the good king. And because uh, he's not coming back yet, so before he comes back, someone's going to do the job, you know. I mean, he's pretty good at it, but. And because uh, and, the whole thing is, you know, like in the courts, ah, they got off on a technicality. It doesn't happen when you've got a king. 
because he's the final authority, okay? Uh, and so that's one. That, the second, as I said, is that version of my life where I'm the hermit, but on the desert island with the reef system. You know, because like, I work with people all the time, but in my future, there's no people around. It's, I mean, I love you, but sometimes, you know? Um, and these are some of the things that I suppose, I wonder how many years or months I've lost to daydreaming. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Okay, you know it's amazing, like, ability to, to, I suppose, nightmare, nightmare, day, day nightmaring, uh, to have a dread for the future, is that we, have, we see one set of circumstances, and then that thing mushrooms until it's like this dreaded thing, and all of a sudden you're like, but what's going to happen? What's going to happen to my life? What's going to happen to the country? What's going to happen to the world? Like the whole planet, global warming, all of a sudden... We're terrified, and, and the thing mushrooms. And on the other way, when we dream about tomorrow, it's the same thing. Have you ever noticed in your daydreams, you've got none of the insecurities that you've got now? Like magically, those are all like, gone. And also, you've got none of the relational chafe. Everyone just loves that you're there. You know, in the day, it's like, oh, finally, the respect I deserve. Everyone just loves that I'm here, and there's no chafing with other people. People just finally recognize the genius that we are. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay, because in these versions of our future, we've got none of the trappings of reality to hijack how good it's going to be. And here's the, the, the thing is that in that place, you know, when we're dreaming about this future, is that we, we stop living in the present. And when I get married, then I'm going to be happy. Ever had that thought? Some people, they're married now, and they're like, ah. That's why we've got a marriage course here. You know, I tell people this in the evening service. They don't believe me. They don't. And uh, I was like, don't worry. Just keep coming. That's why I've still got a job in 10 years' time. But when I, when I have more money, then I'm going to start being generous and tithing. Because I don't have any responsibility now because now I don't have the money. But when I've got some, ooh, I'm going to be so generous. I'm going to be tipping people 20%. Just check. When, when I have a boss that really believes in me, then I'll give my best at work. But now I don't have a boss. I don't have to give my best. A boss like that. When, when I'm less busy, then I'm going to exercise. Ever had that thought? Some of you are like, yo, but I'm always that busy. <laughs> How about this one? When God speaks to me, then I'm going to start serving. It's like, it's in the Bible. He's already spoken to you. When I have an angel at the end of my bed, then I'll get baptized. Ever, ever, like literally, ever has that thought where God, you feel like God's asking you to do something and you're like, yo, God, please, just one angel. You've got so many. Just spare me one here at the end of the bed and say, yeah, you're actually hearing God. Ever, ever had that kind of thought? Anyone? Can I just see some hands, please? There we go. You know, and, and what we're doing in all of this stuff is that we're thinking about this future where everything's perfect. And what does the Bible say about this stuff? Our ability to day, nightmare, or daydream is, I believe it says, this care less about tomorrow and more about today. And so we're going to be working through really the basic text on worrying. Matthew 6, 25 to 34 is probably the, the most comprehensive uh, teaching on the aspect of worry in the Bible, I think it is. Um, and so we're going to be working through this today. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Look at the birds. It's a strange thing. You're like, no, but look at my bank account. No, look at the birds. You know, like you see those people in the park sitting on the bench and feeding the pigeons. And I used to always think, hey, what are you doing, man? Things, pigeons are basically flying rats. Um, I mean, in my opinion, maybe you like them, but there's people like those people that have like bird feeders in the garden and stuff, but your heavenly father feeds them. It's amazing. God feeds the birds. And like, I've never seen a bird freak out because he's stressed. Whether the father's coming that day. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? You, you have value to God. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So Jesus employs a teaching mechanism, uh, which is very common in Hebraic culture. He was a Hebrew teaching. And he would ask questions that provoke thoughts. So I'll, right now, I want you to picture something that you, has you worried at the moment. Some aspects of your life. Just have a little moment by yourself. Picture it. Now feel that anxiety. I know that I'm going the wrong way, but don't worry. I'll bring it back around at the end. Just feel that anxiety rising. Picture that, that reality. What are you worried about? And then there's the question, can all your worries at a single moment, can all your worries solve that? And of course the answer is no. Worrying about the future is pointless. See, here's what we think. We think that if I worry about it, then I'll be safe. And if I don't worry about it, oh, it's going to blindside me. So we actually think that our worrying about something makes us safe and makes us avoid disaster, but actually it does nothing. Worry is a useless emotion that drains us of energy and doesn't achieve anything in the end. And that's what I want to hopefully prove to you today. Uh, and here's the other thing is worry actually, stress in particular is called, shortens your life and reduces the quality of it. Stress literally will kill you. And so sometimes we look at this and go, what is... What's the alternative? Do we just live laissez-faire lives? Now, if you're not French and you don't know what laissez-faire means, I've got a definition for you. The policy of leaving things to take their own course without interfering. So I can see this situation in my life, but I'm just going to let it play out. You know what will be will be. Say, la, say, la. Just eat, drink, and be merry. And we're not going to interfere. And the point is, no, it's not that we don't think about it or plan about it. It's that we don't worry about it. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 3. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Prudent, definition, acting with or showing care and thought for the future. So don't worry about the future, but act and take care or thought about the future. So you can take action about the future without worrying about it. Some people are like, never. If I didn't worry, I wouldn't do anything. But don't worry, you will, because God's given you wisdom, and that's what we're going to get into. So I've got a helpful, I hope it's helpful, I think it's helpful, a little matrix. And again, picture that thing that you're worrying about, okay, as I draw on the board. Okay, so we've got two, we've got these four blocks over here. Over here, we've got uh, worry. And over here, we've got not worrying or no worries, mate. No worries. Oh, with an E. Oh, I can't spell. Don't worry about it. Um, no worries. And then over here, we've got inaction. Ah, I don't do anything. And over here, we've got action. And so we've got these four quadrants that, that we, we left in. Now think about that thing that has you worried. 
Think about it in your brain, okay? You've got four alternatives. Number one, you worry about it, but you don't do anything. For some of you, you've been worrying about that thing for so long, have you done anything about it yet? Okay, that, if, you, if, that, if you're worrying about it and you're doing nothing, that over here is called the victim. Oh, there's that big thing out there that's going to get me, but I oh, can't even do anything about it. And so you're discouraged in this place. It's like you have this anxiety, but you're not committed to anything, and so you actually live in this place of the victim. This thing's impacting on me, and I'm just, happens to me. Over here, you've got inaction. I don't do anything, and no worries. Okay, so this is the person who's like, I'm tired of feeling like a victim. I just don't even care about that thing anymore. I'm not even going to think about it. And that's why we call it laissez-faire, but I can't spell that. So we're going to call it the hippie. Okay. The hippie. You know, the hippie is the person who's like, ah, forget about it. Don't even worry about tomorrow. Live in the moment. I don't even think about it, but I'm still doing nothing, okay? Over here, we've got the worrying person who takes action. So action is prudence. Prudent, wise action, okay? But they're worrying about it, and we call this person the stress pot. See, the hippie, they're actually quite fun to be around. But you don't want them on your team when you're trying to do something. Like, no one's employing the hippie. You know, like, back in the day, the hippies were like, ah, we don't need jobs because we're out of mainstream society. No, no one wanted to hire them. Because if you're not worried about my business, you're not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to give you a job, am I? And so the bosses love to hire these people, stress pots. Why? Because they were so worried they're getting everything done, and they're so worried they're not only getting their job done, they're getting everyone else's job done too. You know, if, well, well, if I don't do it, no one here will worry about it. Yeah, no one's worrying about it because you're doing it. Um, and so there's all this action and all this stuff's happening all around them, but they're stressed all the time. And this is the person that you're great to have them on your team, but you don't want to invite them to the bra. You know what I'm saying? Because like, they're stressful to be around. Like you invite them to the bra if you're like, yo, but I don't want to go shopping. You're like, hey, invite that person. They'll get the charcoal and the fire lighters. They'll make sure everyone's got the drinks. They're thinking of the meat. They're telling you what you to bring, what salad and what dessert. Okay, get them there. They'll organize it. But then they must, you know, you don't want to hang out. Like the hippie's fun to hang out with, but don't ask them to organize the bra because you're going to be eating at 10 o'clock at night. And this person, you know what the thing about this person is? They literally think the thing that makes them do something is their worry. If I didn't worry, I wouldn't do anything. Well, that's ridiculous. You can do something without worrying about it. You can have wise wisdom about something. Because they have failed to make a distinction between an internal emotion and outward action. They think it's the same thing, and it's not. God has wired your life for action. He's given you gifts and abilities and talents. He's given you vision and dreams. You're wired for action, and you think your worry will get you there. I'm using this pen a lot. So I'm very, I mean what I'm saying. <laughs> and lastly, you get the wise person. This person, they've drawn a distinction between their internal uh, a sense of anxiety and emotion and the external action. They've actually realized that worry kills creativity. And some of you are facing things that you need a wise solution for, a creative solution, a creative outcome, and you would have had it if you had not worried because worry kills creativity. You literally get dumber. It's true. It's scientific, man. Science. 
And this person has realized, man, I can have no stress and actually get stuff done. And these people are inspiring to be around. So remember that thing that you, remember that, that thing you're worried about? Which one are you? When you don't get this right, which one are you? Are you the stress pot? Are you the hippie? Are you the victim? Just have a conversation. Think about that tangible example. Have the person, talk to the person next one and say, this is who I am. Okay, can, uh, can all the people who in that area of their life have got stuck in victim space, can you just put up your hand? Don't be shy, hey? Like we all put up your hand, thank you. Anyone who in that area of your life you've just become the hippie, you're like, I'm not even going to think about it. There's the hippies. Some of you guys look like you're actually at Woodstock. No, I'm joking. Um, anyone here the stress pot? Oh, there's a stress pots. Lots of people like being the stress pots because you're like, oh, it's the socially acceptable version of broken. <laughs> you know, that's it. It's like, ah, oh, it's the best kind of. Uh, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a workaholic, but you're still a holic. And, uh, and Jesus has something better for you. Because that's what it is, right? There's an acceptable version of broken. We just go, that, that's fine. And what happens is we look at our version of broken. We go, hey, this is the best version of broken. And we judge people who are broken in different ways from us. Because this stress pot will like, you're the biggest fear of a stress pot. If I stop worrying, I'll become a hippie. <laughs> but I want that. And the hippie looks at the victim and says, ah, you should just not worry about it, man. <laughs> ah, just worry. Some of you husbands have said this to your wives. So like, ah, just don't worry about that. Just don't worry about that. How's it helped? And, and the reason I'm doing this is because we, we all favor our version of broken and think it's a- acceptable but we're actually all just broken and we're aiming at wholeness in Jesus and this is what God's got for us in this text. Matthew 6, we're continuing. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully, cares so wonderfully, look at that word cares, for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith. Two points here. Number one, God cares about you. And number two, Jesus makes this a faith issue. You see, you thought it was a money issue. You thought it was a relational issue. It's a faith issue. And here's the point, is that because God cares, we have reason to have faith. See, if God didn't care for you, then there's no reason to have faith. But he does. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. Give your worries and cares to God because he cares about you. And that seems mystical. How do we give our worries and cares to God? Okay, God, here's my cares. And we're going to get into that just now, but I want to stop and and just sit in the space a little bit. God cares for you. I was chatting to a a young guy the other day, extraordinarily successful young person, young man, achieved so much in his career already, uh, but he's facing right now, he's facing a situation that's causing him real frustration and he's got a lot of the emotions that you expect him to have frustration anxiety anger discouragement all these things and questions for God and I was having this conversation with him about where he's at and I asked him this question do you really believe that God has a good plan for your career and your life 
a good one that you actually want to live. Now think of that thing that you're worrying about. Do you really believe God has a good plan for that area of your life? A plan that you actually want to live. You see, it's a faith issue. And we thought it was a money issue or a work issue or whatever. It's a faith issue. God cares about you. He's got an interest in you. He's got good things for you. The heart of it comes down to what we believe about God. And so God, he says, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares for you. So how? We're going to get into the practical of how we actually do that. Philippians 4, 6-7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So don't worry, pray. Remember, don't worry, take action. Prayer is an action, something you can do right here, right now. Every time you worry, you can go and pray. Even at work, you're worried, you can fake a toilet break. Anyone done that before? Amen. You're like, hey, I'm stressed. I'm in the toilet. But actually, it's a prayer break. It's fun. No one will ask you what you're doing in there. They assume that now. <laughs> See, because prayer is action and worry is an emotion. The emotion accomplishes nothing, but the action can. And the action, the prayer is something we can do in the here and now. We can do right now. It shifts us into that place of doing something about it. But it's not any kind of prayer, but a specific kind of prayer. Because there is such a thing as worrying, worried prayer. Let me explain how this goes. You go off to pray to God, and you spend all your time explaining how bad it is. God, it's bad. No, 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 no. It's worse than you think. And then you go into great detail of explaining who said what and what they said, and then that person, and then I felt like this, and I was like, oh, it's mad. And then you, ever, you go to pray, and you end up reliving the situation in your head instead of talking to God. Anyone? I'm seeing nodding heads. So I assume that's a yes. And what we're doing in that situation is we're stuck in the emotion, and we really think, if God sees how stuck I am, he'll come and rescue me. We're playing the victim. I'm a victim. I'm stuck. And we think because we're really stuck, God will come help us. No, God will come help you because he cares for you. And we get into that place of prayer, and actually you're just rehashing your worry, and it just becomes a worry thing. And so God doesn't want us to do that kind of prayer. There's a specific formula for when worry brings us to the place of prayer. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all he's done. It's on the screen. There it is. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all he has done. I'm not even making this stuff up. It's right there. Firstly, make God knows what you need, but the action of telling him what you need reminds you that he cares. That's why we get to ask. You get to ask. Because sometimes in that moment when you're actually worrying, you're like, well, what do I actually want here? It's just like, I don't know what I want. Just kill them. <laughs> Fix it. But actually articulating, God, I'm, I'm, God, I pray that you'd help them, but God, that's your business. But help me to have your peace in this situation. Now you know what you're asking for. I'm asking for peace in this situation. God, I pray for wisdom. And I believe you're going to provide it. So you're asking, and in asking, we remind ourselves that he cares. Number two, thank him for all he's done. In the last few years of my life, God's spoken to me consistently about 
thanking Him. And it's because I've been in a situation where I've really been worried about stuff. And I'd be worried. I'd say, God, what do you want me to do? And I'd just hear God say, thank me. I was like, ah, oh, well, do it, and then I'll thank you. But actually, God wants us to thank Him in that place. So right now, I'm going to use this as an example. Right now, I'm facing a situation where you say, well, I am facing a financial situation in my life. And you can get, like a lot of us, you know, you can get worried in that space. Just had a kid and just in that space and God help. But it says, thank him for all he's done. So I go, God, I remember, I remember, I, I remember a time I was a youth leader and I organized a youth camp. And I told kids they could come for free and we had no budget. And God multiplied money in my hand. True story. I remember that, God. I remember when I went to Israel and I never earned enough to live and you provided for me every single month. God, I thank you for the car that I'm driving right now that is a miracle and the previous two cars you gave them as gifts to me. I'm reminding myself of the miraculous because this is just another time you can break in. I remember all these things. God, I thank you for the house that I live in. God, that that was a dream of ours and God, you... Someone gave us a, a, a magazine. It was Amy Roger actually gave my wife a property magazine. And I looked at it and I went there. And, we, and God provided for us supernaturally. God, I thank you for my son. That you showed me his life before he even lived. And I saw him and then you provided him for us in the right time. God, I thank you for my wife. She's hot. <laughs> you didn't have to do that, Lord, but you did. <laughs> Glory. God, I thank you for our trip to Australia we just had that my wife's family could hang out with my son. And you supernaturally provided for that. And God, for all the other trips to Sweden and, and Norway and Israel a bunch of times and, and Egypt and Jordan and the States and the UK. And oh, it's embarrassing. Now, God, you've blessed me so much. I can't believe it. And God, thank you for my friends, God. There's a season in my life when I cried out for friends, God, and you provided me such wonderful friends. I can't believe that, Father God. God, thank you for my job. It's a gift. You've given me strength. The Bible says you've given me strength that I can make a difference in other people's lives. And you know what? It's very hard to focus on the thing that you're anxious about when you're reminding yourself of everything God has done. Because what you're saying is he cared there and there and there and there and there and he cares now. And I'm not going to face this with anxiety. Look at the track record of God. This is a practical thing you go do right now when you get home. Even on the way you're driving. Some of you shouting at cars, don't. Pray. Because <laughs> he forces us out of this emotional state that robs us into something practical that builds our faith. You're not a victim. And you're not made to worry. Prayer is action. And as we do this, God builds our faith. Keep going. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things, listen, look at this line. Dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. This is how people who don't know God think. But your heavenly Father, who's good and loves you, knows all you need. You know, some of you don't have that track record. You haven't seen God come through for you. You can just start like this. God, I remember the fact that you sent your son for me. And he died on the cross to pay for my sins. And you gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you gave me the waters of baptism that I can declare my faith. And God, I thank you for these things. 
You've got a good father that cares for you. And then he says, here's what you do. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. This is what he wants us to do. Seek the kingdom of God and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And here's this title of our sermon where we get it from. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. You're like, oh, that's awesome. Actually, it is. Today's trouble is enough for today. It is awesome, actually, because this morning I woke up. Actually, my son woke up, then I woke up. And then I went to go pray. Because that's the place, that's the starting place, right? For our lives. I went to go pray. So, in that moment of praying, I was seeking first the kingdom in that moment and living righteously in that moment. And I came inside and I hung out with my wife and my son because the Bible says that the way we relate to our family members is actually we can, in that space we can seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously. And then I was worried. The trouble for today was I got to come preach this sermon. It's funny. Being worried about preaching a sermon about not worrying. And I was God, I really pray that this is my job. This is the space. And the Bible's clear, wherever you are is the space you can make a difference and do it as unto the Lord. So in that space, you can seek God in that moment. And I'm going to go, I'm going to have lunch with my parents, which is awesome because I love them and I honor them. And there's a blessing. It says, honor your mother and father and it will go well with you. Glory. Come to my house for lunch. You, you're buying. Joking. <laughs> Joking. And then I'm going to come back and preach and hopefully have a nap in between and hang out with my wife, and, and that's enough to worry about today. And tomorrow I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to go spend some time with Jesus, and I'm going to hang out with my wife and my kid, and I'm going to honor, try and seek God in those moments, seek first the kingdom of God in that moment, and I'm going to live righteously in those moments, and then I'm going to plan my week. I love planning. The Bible speaks about planning and the blessing of planning. I love planning meetings. It sets up my week, and then I have a, a meeting with Roscoe, and we're going to talk about how to take this church forward, and so I need to have planned for that meeting so I can serve him and serve this church effectively. And then I'm going to go into a meeting with our staff, and we're going to celebrate what God's doing here. We're going to plan how we're going to get better and the things coming up, but that, I get to worry about that tomorrow. And, and tomorrow, in that time, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously, but I can't do anything about it today. So tomorrow, I can worry about tomorrow. Some of you are like, I get it, like, but what about retirement? That's fine. There's not worrying. I'm not going to worry about it because God provides, and I am going to take action. Well, I don't know what to do. Make an appointment with a financial planner. They will meet with you for free because they want your business. That's how it works. Like seriously, oh, well, I don't know one. Ask your friend. He knows one. There's Harry. He's a financial planner. <laughs> so he's worrying about this moment. He's like, hey, it's a business opportunity. <laughs> Smart. He wasn't lost worrying about something else. He's yeah. There's Terrence. There's people in our community. And then I'm going to meet with them and I understand what's going on. But I'm going to make an appointment. I'm not going to worry about it until I go to that appointment. And before I go to the appointment, I'm going to plan for it so I know what to ask. And then I'm going to go to the appointment. I'm going to worry or I'm going to take action in the moment. And then they're going to give me some advice and we're going to have that conversation. Then we're going to take some action. But we're not going to worry along the way because what we think is if I'm worried enough, then somehow I'll have a retirement. But you won't. And God calls us to action without worrying.
Here's the thing, guys, is that God is with us. He's with us, and He cares about us, and so we can take wise action without worry. Your worry, your worry for your kids will not help raise them. If you're like, I, I, I think I'm missing something, sign up for a parenting course. That's something practical you can do. Buy a book, something practical you can do. Ask God to speak to you, speak to other parents, something practical you can do. But don't worry. Accomplishes nothing. And God is with you and will lead you and guide you. Let's pray. You know, you can keep your eyes closed. The problem with worry is that it solves nothing. But what it does do is it robs us of today. Because when you worry, you can't see God. And you forget the blessing of this day. And I want to read this verse over you. From Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. So now we've got two promises. Number one, seek first the kingdom of God and he will provide what we need. And two, trust in the Lord and seek his understanding and he will show you which path to take. And Father God, I just pray for all of us, God, who are on this journey that we worry to varying degrees about various things. And Father, I just pray that we would have a revelation of just how much you love us and care for us. And that you're with us, God. You've given us wisdom and understanding. And Father God, I pray that we would care less about tomorrow and more about today. That each day we'd see as an opportunity to seek first the kingdom of God and to live righteously and believe you'll bless us, fulfill us, provide for us, prosper us, make us effective. That's your business, God, but we're going to seek you where you've put us. I pray, God, you radically set your people free from worry. In Jesus' name. Amen.